Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. Hey, we have the great honor of having Pastors Joe and Lauren with us today. Can we stand to our feet for a moment? You know, Joe Riddle, uh, I've known him a number of years now. We've had him at Amp Up a couple of times, preaching what, what used to be our, our weekend. It's now Transform, and it's even better. And, uh, but it's so good to have you here, man. He is the campus pastor at the Seaboard Campus in Wave uh, Church, and that's the conference we go to every year. We're blessed by their senior pastors. We're blessed by their leadership. We're blessed by their faith. We're ble- blessed by them personally. Man, I, I, I smell a man of God when I smell it. I, I don't know how else to describe it. I just smell it. I just go, yep, he is. And sometimes I go, eh, not sure. But I, I really try to bring in what I feel like is the most authentic, the, the, the most real. Uh, people have got just stories that can bless your world and impart life to you and strength to you. So listen, we want to honor him and his wife, but we want to honor Jesus in his word because Jesus is about to speak to you. So can we give a hand? Come on, for the word of God as Joe Riddle comes up. Come on, Joe. Come on, give him a hand. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Come on now, look at your neighbor and just say, welcome to the weekend. Come on now, look at the other person and just say, you sang like an angel. Come on now. Good deal. Good deal. We're going to pray before we take a seat. You guys have faith that God's not done working here tonight? Um, I really believe God's going to bring some significant transformation in all of our lives this evening. For many of you, that process is, is not beginning. It's already in motion. And uh, I'm excited to see what God does in our next few moments together. If you're open, not to hearing from me, but rather to hearing from uh, God tonight. We believe in this church that uh, God is God is alive. God is well. God speaks, and uh, God has a heart of grace and compassion and kindness towards you. And if your heart is open tonight, you can hear from Him for yourself. It's one thing to hear about God from someone else. It's another thing to hear from Him for yourself. And I want to pray that tonight you don't just hear about Him from me, but in the midst of my words, my words will get out of the way, and God will speak to you personally and directly. Amen. So that's you. Go ahead, put both hands up. We're going to pray together in this moment. Uh, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here. And Lord, I think about the words from that song we sang earlier that says, dry bones awaken. And Lord, I pray that tonight would be a night of awakening. Lord, I pray that tonight would really be what this weekend has been called. And it would be a window. It would be a moment of transformation. Lord God, I thank you that in you change is possible. In you, new chapters can be written. In you, a new day is dawning. In you, God, tonight, right here, right now, even though on the outside everything looks the same, on the inside, people can become new creations as we discover who you are and how who you are changes who we are. Jesus, we love you and we desire to hear from you tonight. We remind ourselves that you are invited. You are a guest in this place. Do what is in your heart to do. It's in your name we pray. And everybody say amen. Give your neighbor a high five. And you can take a seat tonight. And before we go any further, if we could stay just a moment more on the keys, if we could, please. Sorry, I just want to take a moment here. Because as we were, uh, 
As we were spending a little bit of time earlier on in the service, I've not had this um, quite happen this way before, but uh, I really felt like God gave me a word for two siblings in the house tonight. So I'm going to take a moment. I want to do that real quick. And that is uh, the brother and sisters. Uh, there's, there's two of you to my knowledge in here, but of the Mendez family. So we've got Magno and your sister. I'm told she's here somewhere. Where's she at? She's, everyone's pointing at a man. I don't think you're Magno's. Okay, so you're, you're a brother as well. Okay, good deal. All right, that, that threw me off for a moment. I was like, that does not look like the sister I met earlier. That was, that was a moment right there. But is your sister here as well? You're going to be a part of this. I didn't even realize you're here. Is your, is, okay, here she is. She's waving her hand back there. Give these three a hand real quick. Come on now. Um. Are there any more of you here? Okay. All right, good deal. I really believe, no, no pressure with this word, I want to give the three of you right now. I also believe it's also the leading edge of something that God wants to do in Church Alive, as I'm sharing this thought real quick. And that is this, when you look in the scriptures, um, salvation in the New Testament, it didn't just come to individuals, it came to households. It didn't just come to individuals, it came to households. And I really feel... Uh, I, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I know a little bit of your guys' story, but I certainly don't know anywhere near the whole story. But I really sensed as we were worshiping tonight, I felt the Holy Spirit drop the three of you into my heart. And um, there is going to be a changing of what comes to mind when people speak of the Mendez family because of the three of you. It's not going to stop with you, but it's going to begin with you. And there are specific areas of the story that you're just thinking God's changing the future. But in changing the future, God is going to resurrect some dead things in the past. And there are things that maybe it would be easy to look at and just say God's using it. God's using me in spite of those things. And I really believe that the three of you, with your family specifically, you're going to enter into a season where God's not going to use you in spite of it. God's going to completely redeem it and restore it in a way that absolutely defies reason. And what it means to be a Mendez, I know you're getting married. I don't think you're married yet. I don't know if you are. I didn't even know you existed until a moment ago. Okay, you've got a ring on your finger. Okay, you're married. Uh, I, what it meant for you guys being a Mendez growing up, I, I feel right now the Holy Spirit saying it will mean something completely different to your children. It will mean something completely different for the children that you raise. And uh, it's, it's gonna happen. It's already happening. And uh, here's the other cool part that I really felt just as I began to share this right here. Family restoration, I believe, in this next season is going to be a hallmark of this church. If I can be so bold to prophesy over this church, um, I believe where churches see individuals come to grace and favor and saving, I believe a hallmark of this house is families will be saved in this place generations will be saved in this house and you just watch you just watch what god does what god does in this place it's normal we live in a season a season in the church where it's normal to see individuals saved and i really believe god there's a spirit of salvation for households in this house it's going to start with one but it's not going to end with one sons and daughters are going to bring mothers and fathers mothers and fathers are going to bring sons and daughters cousins, aunts, uncles, the way salvation works in this house, it's going to rest in a very unique way. It's going to be a very unique way. It's going to be 
uh, uniquely generational. And on the other side of that, there will be there will be unique growth that will flow through this house. There will be unique unity that will flow through this house. Uh, And there will be a unique there will not be a lack of stories of restoration in this house is what I just felt the Holy Spirit say just now. There will not be a lack of stories of restoration. So, so there's a word for the church, uh, and there's a word for the Mendez family specifically, and uh, let's pray for them real quick. Lord God, I thank you for these three siblings. Lord, I don't know their story, but God, there's never been a moment they've been without you. Lord, there's never been a moment you weren't present, and Lord, I pray that in these next days, Lord, I pray there would be a a manifestation of unity, a manifestation of renewal, a manifestation of redemption in their household. I even pray right now, God, I, I, I pray right now as we're praying for the Mendez family specifically, Lord, I pray family members who are far from you, even in this moment right now, wherever they are, God, maybe, maybe in a lounge room, maybe, maybe on a street corner, wherever they are, Lord, I pray even right now, something of heaven would begin to resonate in their heart. And it would begin with a, a decision to call, to DM, to text one of these three siblings and just begin a conversation about God. Lord, I pray your grace would be a tidal wave in their family's story. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. All right, take a seat. Took a little bit longer than I planned to do that, but how many people know when the Holy Spirit says speak, you say, yes, sir. It's just the way it is. Just the way it is. Greetings from Wave Church, Pastor Steve and Sharon, and all the Wave Collective family. Uh, We love you guys, and it is an honor uh, to be back with you guys. How many people have had the, uh, I don't know if it's an honor or a displeasure, or you're not even quite sure which one it is yourself yet, of getting to hang out in the, in the past when I've been here in the past to preach. Anyone in here? All right, real quick. If you know, you know, just turn to your neighbor and give him the best American Eagle. Kaha! You possibly can. Real quick. And if you're looking right now, you're like, I don't know what happened. Freedom just happened. That's... That's what that is uh, right there. This is, this is my third time getting to hang out with you guys. So I've officially crossed over from being visitor to now I'm creepy uncle, okay? Uh, it's a good time to be here. But I brought my life with or my life. She is my life. I brought my wife with me. And she's looking at me right now, and she's like, you're not a creepy uncle. Like, that's weird. Now you are creepy. But you weren't creepy before that. So thank you, babe, for the accountability right there. Um, I got to be honest, right now, Pastor Anthony, my mind is still stuck at the fact that you preached a message called Up the Back. And I heard what was going up the back in that message, and we'll just call it prophetic, all right? It's just brilliant. If there is a recording of that, I want to hear it in Jesus' name. Uh, And then the fact that you said you could smell men of God. I was like, is that because there's something going up my back? I, I don't know. I don't know. I was like looking, you know, and if you're in the Holy Spirit session earlier today, Shakira, Shakira, all right. If you, if you, if you weren't here, you don't know. You don't know. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua, because I got to get to my message real quick. Someone say, help him, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 6. If you reach the maps on the right, you've gone too far in Jesus' name. It's all good. Okay. Uh, Some people don't even get that joke now because you read your Bible on your phone and there's not even a map in the Bible app. And that's cool. That's all good. But I'm I'm old school. I still read it print. 
I want to open up with uh, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. It says this. It says, now Jericho, someone say Jericho, was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out. Someone say no one went out. And it says no one came in. Someone say no one came in. You see, tonight, the title of the message that I want to quickly share with you this evening, it's called When Closed Doors Open. When Closed Doors Open. I love that the theme of this weekend, because it's not a conference, y'all. It's a weekend. It's called Transform, right? I love that thought. And I don't believe transformation can truly happen until things that were inaccessible suddenly become accessible. And one of the hallmarks that God is doing something in your life is that what was impossible before is now possible, not because you got that good, not because you got insider trading secrets, not because you got it all figured out, but it's because the Holy Spirit made a way where there was no way. And tonight I want to talk about the inaccessible becoming accessible. I almost said that wrong because I was reading ahead in my notes. Revelation 3, 7, I love it. One of the ways it identifies God is it says this about it. It says, It says that he is the God who opens doors that no man can shut. And he is the God that that shuts doors that no man can open. You know, for some people here tonight, um, maybe maybe the miracle for you isn't a door opening. For some people here, it could be the miracle of a door actually closing. I don't know what it is that you need, but I do know this is that what looks impossible in your own strength, it is entirely possible in the strength of the God that we serve. And uh, I love to read. We got any readers in here? Come on now. Anyone in here? Good deal. Good deal. Very early on in my being a part of Wave Church, I started going to Wave Church in the summer of 2000. And one of the things I early on, over half my life in Wave Church, which is awesome, Pastor Steve, very early on, uh, he, I heard him say, leaders are readers. And I was like, I guess I got to read. There's just no way around that. All right. Uh, and so, so I do a fair bit of reading. I enjoy reading. I love reading. And a couple years back, I read a book. It was called The Lion's Gate. And it was a book written by a guy named Stephen Pressfield. And it was all about the Israelis retaking the city of Jerusalem in what became known as the Six-Day War. Happened in 1967. And this is an incredible piece of history, uh, not too far back in the rear view of our global you know, scene this day and age. Uh, and in six days, Israel... Uh, fought a war that started and ended in six days. And check this out. On the seventh day, they rested. Doesn't that sound kind of like something out of uh, Genesis or something like that? Kind of crazy. But in these six days, the, the military victory Israel received, it was so great that in six days, the size of Israel tripled. So imagine America going to war and six days later, we're three times bigger than we are, right? So like we're, we're one continent now. Now we're like three continents, right? It's like, whoa, all right? That happened to Israel in 1967. But the way that that they took so much ground so quickly was that whenever they came against the Egyptians or the Jordanians or the Syrians, what they would do is when they came against them and the enemy didn't crumble right away, instead of getting bogged down in a fight with them, they would just move around them. And they just kept going. And they just kept going. And they just kept going. So six days later, three times the territory taken. At first, that was a great plan. And the reason Israel did that was because they wanted to be able to come to the negotiating table with the armies they were at war with and have as much leverage in the negotiations as possible. And obviously, when you're coming off the back of a war, one of the best ways you can leverage in negotiation is you hold the land, right? Makes sense? The problem was a few days into this plan unfolding, Israel realized 
that all those armies that we just bypassed, they used to be in front of us. Now, now the enemy's in front of us, but they're also behind us. And I think sometimes people run into that kind of challenge in life where we come up against something and rather than facing it, we just move around it. We feel like we're taking more ground in life, but then what used to be a one front, a single front war for our life and the call that God has in us, it's now a war on two fronts. Where, where maybe you recently made a decision to follow Jesus and you've, you've removed the signs of that habit or that controlling thought process or pattern or addiction or whatever it was from the public arena, but it was too hard to defeat it in the private arena. So you were happy for a victory that was visible to people on the outside, but when no one was looking, you know the enemy's at your back. And the reality is, is your enemy doesn't just lay down and play dead. Your enemy will just wait until an opportune time to strike. That's what it says the devil did when he tried to tempt Jesus in the Gospels. It says the devil went away until an opportune time. The devil doesn't leave you for good. He just waits until you're tired and your guard is down. And that's why it's important that we know not just how to bypass our enemies, but we actually know how to stand on the promises of God and see the actual breakthrough come to pass. And can I ask you, are you living in the God-given life of breakthrough that is your inheritance as a son or daughter of God? Or are you just bypassing the difficult battles in life? Because I, I, I don't know about you, but in my story, there were some things over the years that I just bypassed. I bypassed some of the hurts of my father leaving my family. I bypassed some of the hurts of, of my father taking a swing at me when I got in an argument with him over how he was treating my mother. I bypassed some of the, some of the hurts that came um, from pretty close friends who I thought were going to be with me in that season. And then when those things happened, they just acted like they didn't even know me. Over the years, there have been multiple opportunities to face offenses and hurts face-to-face, uh, -face, facing them head-on. And there, there were times where I just chose just to move around them instead. And I wonder, have you settled for the lie that some doors are just locked too tight for you to ever walk through them? That some things, God was gracious enough, maybe you believe the lie, God was gracious enough to save you from it, but God can't completely redeem it. And that's not what my Bible says about my God. He makes all things new. He makes all things new. I know there's some things that you just look at in your past and you've just decided, I just got to move around it. And I just got to keep going because those things will not sit down and play dead forever. They just wait for an opportune time. You see, Jericho was considered to be a place just like that. It would have been easier for Israel just to move all the way around it, not address it, not fight it. They're coming into the promised land. I mean, Jericho was a massive city. It was a, it was a, a city that had leadership over the whole of the Jordan Valley. It was a very influential place. It would have been understandable for little, weak Israel coming into the promised land to just move around it and try to inherit the promise and just get used to living in the promise in the shadow of Jericho. But that's not what God called Israel to do. Joshua chapter 6, again, we read verse 1 earlier. I'm going to read it and go through verse 5. It says, Jericho was tightly shut because of, because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, circling the city once. And you will do this for six days. Also, seven priests will carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And then on the seventh day, you will march around the city seven times, 
and the priests will blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, that when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people should shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. So God is saying, look, Jericho is closed today, but in seven days' time, it's going to be a different story. You know, God can take a long time to act suddenly. God can take a long time to act suddenly. But one thing I found about God is that he's never late. He's always on time. And I believe that this weekend is the moment where suddenly he's coming for some people. I believe that tonight is the night where suddenly he's coming for some people. There have been some giants in your land. There have been some opposition on your horizon. There have been some Jericho walls that have been mocking you. And I believe that this weekend is that moment, that window, that time of transformation where God's going to come in and he's going to all of a sudden work suddenly. It could happen here. It could happen now. But we're not going to get it if we don't understand how the closed doors begin to open. So with the time I have left, I just want to talk about how closed doors open. And the first thing is this, closed doors open when my battles are known to the people I trust. God didn't promise Jericho to an individual. He promised it to a community. He promised it to a nation. He promised it to a people. And one of the biggest risks facing the American church today is that we have hyper-individualized this Christian story. We have hyper-individualized the Christian message. We have taken a sense of calling and we've made it all about ourselves. We have taken a sense of calling and we have made it something intensely personal. And while the calling should be personal, it was never about you. The calling is personal in the sense you have to realize God has a plan and purpose for you, but the plan and purpose wasn't so you could look in a mirror and realize how incredible you are. The plan and the purpose is so that you could become a part of what the kingdom of God is doing and salvation wouldn't end with you, but it would work through you and as it works through you, it works through another person, works through another person, works through another person. And this transformation that started with one becomes exponential in its influence. And I believe one of the greatest ways that the enemy keeps the church small is he gets us thinking that it's all about me. But if you want to see closed doors open in your family, if you want to see closed doors open in our city, if we want to see closed doors open in our nation, then we have to understand that our battles must be known to the people we trust. Lasting growth and change cannot happen outside of community. That's why I want to encourage you. If you're kicking the tires about being a part of a transform group, stop it. Just get in the car. Because transformation happens in a place of accountability and community. And Pastor Anthony and Pastor Miriam, they don't ask you to be a part of those because they, they, they have this delusion that you don't know what to do with all the free time you have. But they actually call you to do it not out of a free schedule, but out of a, a mandate of prioritization is that this church is not meant to be a cruise ship. It's a battleship. It's taking ground for the kingdom of God. And they're not training you up to be entertained. They're training you up to take ground for the kingdom and the purposes of God. And you can't do that living life on your own. My wife has magical powers. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Anyone who says yes to that, it means you're married and your wife has saved your life, all right? My wife has this ability where I can just ask her where something is in the house and she knows where it is. We have three kids in our house, and they have this perverse pleasure of not leaving anything where it's supposed to be. So it could be, for instance, that I need to go ahead, and my, my, my second-born, Cruz, he's three years old. He loves the little fob thing that opens the doors around our church. He loves to take it out of my bag that I take for church without asking me. And so there'll be moments where I'm like, where is my fob? And I'll, I'll be looking for it, and I'm like, 
Christian cursing, which is like, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, like I'm I'm going around doing all this stuff like I need help. You know, like I should have bought a Hyundai and all this stuff like it's like, why are you praying in tongues over finding a fob right now? It's not that serious, bro, but it should have been a Buckeye, you know, and it just it just keeps happening. And and uh, and and Lauren will just look at me and she's like, what are you looking for? And I'm like, I'm looking for my fob. And she's like, just kind of stands there for a moment, looks off in the distance. And it's almost like she gets this word from the Lord. She's just like looking off. She's got the serene look. And, and she's just like, uh, if you go upstairs into the boy's bedroom, Cruz has a bucket of stuffed animals next to him. At the bottom of that bucket of stuffed animals, there is a Lego jailhouse that Uzi put together two years ago. And inside that Lego jailhouse, you will find your work fob. And I go up there and lo and behold, there it is. More often than not, though, this is how it works. I'll be going through the house looking for my keys, and I can't find them anywhere. And she'll just look at me, and she's like, they're in your hand. And I realize I have two hands. And the hand I've been accusing my children with didn't hold the keys. It was the other hand right here all along. I got to tell you something. Years ago, I would have been stranded and would have starved and and I would have died in my house with my keys in my hand because I never would have seen them there. And there's some people here tonight and you hold the keys to opening your door, but you can't see it. And you need a transform group to help you realize the key's already in your hand. It's not out of reach. It's not too far. It's not uh, something that's meant to be there and mock you forever. But God in his infinite wisdom saw to it that we couldn't live this Christian life alone. And closed doors open up when we stop acting like we're a one-man army and we start being the army God intended us to believe. You know, in Hebrew culture, they have a very profound understanding of this. Um, You know, the word for faces in Hebrew, it's the word panim, panim. And you know what's interesting about that word is it's in the plural. And so even if I talk about my own personal face, there's no word for face in the singular in Hebrew. And I was reading a book with rabbinical commentary in it once, and the rabbi said that, that the word face does not exist in the singular in Hebrew because no human being only has one face. Because we all have multiple faces. You're getting the faith-filled face of a preacher tonight. But there's a different face that I have that only my wife knows. There's a different face that I wear that only my sons know. There's a completely different face that only my one-year-old daughter knows. Help me, Jesus. There's a different face that I have when, when I'm just hanging out with guys and we're, we're off, you know, on a, on a run in a state park close to my house. There's a different face in so many different scenarios. And it's not wrong to have those different faces, but it is wrong that there's not one person who knows all those faces. And can I ask you, is there someone who knows all of your faces? Because closed doors will not open as long as you only let certain people have some of the faces. That's not, that wasn't even in my notes tonight, but that's a word for someone here. You're, you're playing the edges, someone here tonight. You're playing the edges. You're letting someone know these couple of faces. Someone else knows that face. Someone else knows these faces. Someone else knows the work you. Someone else knows the neighbor you. Someone else knows the church alive you. But there's not one person in your life right now who knows all the faces of you. And maybe for you, the other side of that breakthrough is someone who can see all the puzzle pieces put out in a, in a setting of mutual care and concern. Not a setting of judgment, 
but in a setting of, of humility and openness saying, I got closed doors in my life. Would you help me open them? If you're going to see closed doors open in your life, you got to understand we can't do it alone. If you want to ruin your breakthrough, that's cool. Just try doing it alone. Watch what happens. If you want to ruin your breakthrough, it is really easy. Just try to be the Rambo. That's all you got to do. All you got to do. Check out these two lines from Joshua 6. I didn't give this to the words, people, so forgive me. You're just going to have to trust me on it. Verse 2 starts out saying, the Lord said to Joshua, and then when he jumped down to verse 6, it says, so Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them. You see, Joshua knew, yeah, God gave me a word, but if this word is going to come to pass for Israel, I got to bring others in on what God has said. So the first thing Joshua does after he gets the word to take Jericho is he gets the priests around him and says, these are our marching orders from God. And I wonder, do you have that group that can hear the marching orders for your life and can, can work with you and believe with you and help you through it? You see, I believe doors remain closed when we have the wrong conversations with the wrong people. See, conversations fueled by self-pity and past history do not open closed doors in your life. If anything, they add another lock. They add another lock. And a lot of us in life, you know why our lives are in a holding pattern? And I know you guys know what holding patterns are. You got Newark Airport right out there, and you've seen those planes just circling sometimes, just waiting for that chance to land. You know how holding patterns happen? That must have been like a, a, someone on a flight crew over here because they were just laughing like they knew exactly what that was. But, but this, is, this is where we get held up a lot of times in life. We have the right talk with the wrong people. It's a talk I need to have, but I'm having to talk with someone who doesn't, who's not going where I want to go in life. I'm not talking with someone who can actually help me. The right talk with the wrong people, we call that gossip. Some of us have the wrong talk with the right people. We're talking with the right people, but we're not being brutally honest with where we're at. We're trying to keep up the facade rather than opening up and saying, I'm dying on the inside. I'm lifting my arms in worship, but I'm bawling my eyes out at home with what's going on in my marriage right now. You're talking with the right people, but you're not having the right conversation. And then some of us here, we're just flat out having the wrong talk with the wrong people. Bless your heart. It's God's will that you would have the right talk with the right people. And I believe those people are in the house of God. And the right talk is a talk that doesn't glorify where you've been, but it glorifies where God is taking you in Jesus' name. Closed doors open when my battles are known to the people I trust. See, second way that closed doors open is when my purpose is clear. My purpose is clear. If you want to read a great book, it's called Essentialism. It's written by a guy named Greg McCowan. It was actually suggested to me by a friend of mine. Where we live in Virginia Beach, we have the honor of being home to uh, the East Coast teams of the United States Naval Special Warfare community. And uh, one of the officers in that environment went ahead and shared that book with me. And if you're looking for a good book to read, if you want to go to a next place in life, read this book. The guy, I believe he is a Christian, but he's writing it to a, a uh, general audience. So it's not written with Christian takeaways or anything like that, but it is a book that I believe could really uh, sharpen the blade, so to speak, in, in a leadership at atmosphere, in a business environment. It's called essentialism. And listen to this. In this book, he says this. He says, only once you give your permission to stop trying to do it all, 
to stop saying yes to everyone, can you make your highest contribution to the things that truly matter? You know, some of us doors remain closed because we're still trying to be friends with the world. Trying to live with one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the old me. Trying to have my cake and to eat it too. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my heroes of the faith. He's one of the few people that was known on multiple occasions to get in a shouting match with Adolf Hitler and leave his office alive. And he didn't have the talk over tax reforms. He didn't have the talk over, you know, uh, uh, homeowners, you know, association or something like that. It was an argument about the purpose of the church of God in the midst of what Nazis were doing all across Europe. And listen to how he defined the Christian journey, the Christian call. He said, the cross calls a man to come and die. See, some of us are trying to add Christ to our lives like seasoning. Trying to make Christianity a buffet. Jesus never offered to be your genie in a bottle. He offered to be your Lord. To be your king. We live in a democracy, but the kingdom of heaven is a monarchy. And it pains my heart to see it or to say it, but that's one area where the British, they, they, they could teach us a thing or two when it comes to understanding how the kingdom of God works. But at the end of the day, once they share that one insight, I'm going to look back at them and go, ah, all right, right there. Freedom, United States, back-to-back -back World War champs before it gets too serious in here, okay? Just got to give it a little bit of America right there. Yeah, Shakira, Shakira, okay. Some people are never going to agree with preaching ever the same. You're just going to get up in your new praise dance. It's just going to be like, scare, 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 scare. Yeah, I'm still going, guys. It's still happening. Okay, okay, there it is. See, God's ultimate aim, it's not your, your, your happiness, it's your holiness. And as long as you think that God's here to make you happy, you're going to be confused with how he works in your life. See, the reality is happiness without holiness will lead to brokenness. But holiness will lead to a happiness that doesn't just satisfy in the here and now, but it will satisfy in the eternal. And closed doors begin to open when my purpose is what? When my purpose is clear. Joshua 2.1, it says Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from the place. It's a city, I'm not cursing, called Shittim. All right, it's a Hebrew word. And he said, go and view the land. Listen to this, especially Jericho. Joshua gave the men a clear, clear directive. They had a clear mission. Don't just go look at the land and like just enjoy it. No, look at the land, especially Jericho. There was a clear call. Why would Jericho matter so much? Because again, if we look at Jericho through the natural, it was, it was not a soft target. It was a hard target. It was a way to go ahead and really quickly knock the motivation out of the hearts of Israel. But this is why God called Israel to take Jericho. Because Jericho was just five miles on the other side of the Jordan. If you read commentary on the physical location of Jericho, you would realize it commanded the entire Jordan Valley. It would give Israel a strong foothold in the land that God said was theirs. It would split the enemy tribes of Canaan in half. And to take this city would lay to rest the negative reports of Numbers 13. Jericho was not a city chosen at random, but it was a city of kingdom purpose. 
Can I ask you, are you living by the ebb and flow of daily life or are you living with kingdom purpose? Closed doors stay closed when we live following whichever way the wind blows. Closed doors begin to open when we say, I'm living with a purpose. I'm living for something that is bigger than myself. Can I ask you, are you living on purpose or are you living distracted? You know, some people here tonight, the most devious work of the devil is not to get you living in sin. It's just to get you living distracted. Get you living for things that really don't matter. You know, if you study survival psychology, they say one of the things that matters most if you're going to make it through a point of, of life and death is nine times out of ten. That stat is not entirely true. But what they do say is this. Overwhelmingly, the people who survived those life-threatening moments had a clear purpose that was reminding them why they had to stay alive. They had something to fight for. Can I ask you, what are you fighting for? Why are you showing up to church every single week? Why did you come? Why are you here? We, the town I live in, it has some warriors. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty crazy place. And the largest military community in the entire world in Hampton Roads. And there was a time where I looked a guy in the eyes and I said, why did you join the military? And it went from a cool pastoral coffee to something crossed through his eyes. And he looked at me and he said, I was there when 9-11 happened. He said, I joined so that my family would never wake up to that ever again. That's how a warrior talks. Some of us are showing up to church to be entertained still. Some of us are showing up just to be convinced to grace God with our presence for one more week. How do closed doors open? It's when we say my purpose is, is clear. My purpose is clear. My purpose, it's not defined by me. Clear purpose releases unity. And when unity kicks up, the supernatural breaks out. Forgive me, but I'm a soccer fan. You know, one of the teams in the world that has, of any sport, some of the most dedicated followers is a team called Barcelona. Case in point. <laughs> you know what's interesting is that they have, I believe one of the reasons for that is they have one of the most motivating rallying cries for their team out of any athletic club in any sport. I don't know if you know this, but the mantra that the team is reminded of every single time. They come from a place in Spain called Catalonia. It's a part of Spain that's not really happy to be a part of Spain. You don't know, a little bit of history right there. You know what they're reminded every single time they go out to play a game? Their phrase, we play for freedom. We play for freedom. Why did you come to church tonight? I came for freedom. Why does Jesus show up in church every single week? For your freedom. Why does Pastor Anthony week in, week out, invest his life into bringing words that are fresh? Because he's passionate about your freedom. Why is the Fleming family, they could live anywhere in the world, incredibly talented couple, could pastor anywhere and churches would take them in in a heartbeat. Why are they putting their heart and their time and their family into the soil of this part of our nation? Because there's a clarion call in their heart for the freedom of this region. And I wanna challenge this church. Do not discredit the incredible gift your God has given you and your leaders by being a part-time follower of what they're dying for. 
if you call this church your home, why are you here? Why have you come? Close doors open when our purpose is clear. The band can come on back up. The last point I have is this. I'm going to quickly run through it. Closed doors begin to open when my position is certain. You know, a few years ago, my son, it was almost like we didn't mean to, but he kind of took the Nazarite vow and like no razor was touching his hair, right? He was only two years old, so we were good to go on the wine part, okay? There was no wine drinking going on. But then the day came where we made the incredible mistake of cutting his hair. Breaks my heart. He had like long flowing, like straight up Samson hair. Like one day I went out in the backyard and it wasn't a line he ripped into, but it was the neighbor's chihuahua. It was just <laughs> right in half. That didn't happen. I'm just kidding. That would be weird. Shakir, Shakir. Okay. Uh, and what's funny is we, we cut his hair and after cutting his hair, he kept doing the hair flick he used to do when he had long hair. And so he's walking around the house, real short hair, and he's just like looking at me. He's like, Dad, can I have some gummies? And I'm like, what is going on? And I realized there was a habit, old things he had to do that he doesn't have to do anymore, but he's still doing them. Can I tell you something? A guilty Christian is an oxymoron. That when you're secure in your identity of who you are in Christ, guilt has no place in your heart. Guilt doesn't have a foothold in your identity anymore. Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you want to see doors open in your life, it took a little bit too long making bald eagle noises and other things earlier on. So I got to land this point real quick. Let me give you one simple thing that I believe could save you from a life of heartache and performance anxiety. That when it comes to following Jesus, do not live for acceptance. Live from acceptance. You don't have to fight for heaven's acceptance. You already have it. You don't have to convince God to love you again. He already loves you. And there are some hesitant, antsy, confused Christians in this place who are fighting for something that you already have in your hands. And closed doors begin to open when we realize victory is not something I'm believing for. Victory is something I'm walking in. You have the victory. You have the breakthrough. You have the anointing. You have the promise. You have the land. God has already opened that door, but he's looking for believers. He's looking for people who are crazy enough to say, God, at your word, I will follow. At your word, I will obey. At your word, I will believe. At your word, I will get out of the boat. And there's some people here tonight, and you've been hearing me talk about transformation. And you had no problem believing it for the people around you. You had no problem believing it for Magno up here, showing us his embarrassing Facebook feed. He's behind me. I better be nicer. In Jesus' name. Mango, we love you. Hashtag. No problem believing it for him. It's just as real for you. You got no problem believing it for me. It's just as real for you. There are no spectators in the kingdom of God. There's room for you. There's a place for you. Jesus has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you don't perfect yourself and then come to him. Because you could never perfect yourself on your own. Because look, if you could, you would have done it by now. Like here you are. You're not perfect yet. You need Jesus. 
I need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And right now, I want to pray for people here. Everything we've been saying tonight, what is the foundation of it? It's Jesus. Jesus did what we were powerless to do in our own strength. The Bible says this, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we were perfect. He didn't wait till we were almost there. In our brokenness, Jesus' grace showed up on the scene. And you're in this place tonight, and you've been looking for satisfaction, but unable to find it. If you know what it's like to thirst and never be satisfied, if you know what it's like to feel hungry for something more in life and to never feel satiated, if you know what that is like in life tonight, friend, let me tell you something. You'll never find it outside of Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to know his love and love his, or know his grace tonight. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, really quick, I believe the Holy Spirit is here. I believe people are open. I believe people are ready. I'm going to ask Christians to be in prayer right now. I'm going to quickly count to three. And when I say three, no one looking around but me, you're in this place and you're saying, Joe, if what you're saying is true, I got doors that need to be open in my life. I want to know Jesus. I want to know his love. I want to know his grace. Quickly, when I say three, I want you to lift your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but right where you are, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you, and that brand new life in Jesus is going to come. If that's you right here tonight, you're saying, Joe, I've been separate from God. I've been trying to do this in my own strength, and I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to know that love that you say Jesus has for me. If that's you in this place, one, two, three. Lift your hand up right now. I see a hand there. One, another hand there, 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 another hand there. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, yes, yes. Others here tonight. Yes, sir. I see that hand. Anyone else in here tonight? Yep, I think that's another hand right there. Anyone else in here tonight? Yep, there's another hand right there. Anyone else in here tonight? You haven't lifted your hand yet. Haven't lifted your hand yet. Come on, right now, change is possible for you. Awesome. We're going to pray a prayer together right now. Everyone say, dear Jesus, come into my life. I ask, open the door to freedom, to love, to wholeness. I've tried on my own. It hasn't worked. I have been your enemy, and tonight I become your friend. Thank you for loving me, for forgiving me, and I now say that I am a friend of God. I am a Christian, and I will never be the same, not because of what I have done, but because of what you have done. I love you, Jesus, and I now follow you. Amen. Amen. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.